The Bee. The Bee. The Bee. Welcome to the Beat Podcast. I'm MJ here with BD. How's it going? As we continue our coverage of the NBA playoffs, the second round has just ended. We will cover some of the revelations that happened in those matches and then gear up and look into what's going to happen in the next round. Let's start in the uh, the East. Well, like MJ said, it was a very interesting second round. I think a lot of teams won that we didn't expect. I was kind of surprised mostly by that Clippers-Houston series, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. I wanted to, I guess we could first start off talking about uh, Atlanta, Washington. Probably John Wall's injuries had a little bit to do with why they lost, but it looks like I think Atlanta was able to find a way to play together and beat John Wall and the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Even though that last shot that he made in, in game six, or the last second shot, that was I mean, amazing that he made it, but it was like he just got it off like a few tenths of a second too late. That was, it was a way to go, though. I mean, if, if it is his last game, because he said that he might retire, Paul Pierce, at least, you know, like you, you made your last shot, you just didn't, you know, you didn't get to make it in time. So. Yeah, that, that shot was so insane. He, uh,. It was a buzzer-beater shot. The offense on Washington looked a little stagnant on that play. I actually didn't think they'd even get a shot off. Um, John Wall looked like he held the ball a little bit too long. Probably could have gave it to Paul Pierce a second or two sooner. Um, Easier said than done with Atlanta's defense on him. That was an amazing shot by Paul Pierce, and it, it was literally so close to being good. It was on the tip of his fingertips. Yeah. And just, you know, a fraction of a second sooner, and they would have uh, gone into overtime, and who knows, it uh, could have been a different outcome. Definitely. Yeah, and then just looking back at that series, it looks like all of the games were close, other than game four that Atlanta won, but, you know, yeah, they were all within a few points of each other, within like six or less, other than game four. So it was a really close series, and I think maybe, you know, if I was... In the Wizards organization, I take that and say, like, you know, you were able to sweep Toronto in round one, and then you, you played well against the best team in the East, record-wise anyways. We'll see. We'll find out after they play Cleveland if they truly are the best team in the East or not. You know, so if they if they win and go to the finals, at least you can say to yourself, hey, we played, I mean, every game was with, you know, decided within six points other than one. Um, and we could have, even game six, you know, we make that extra shot, Paul Pierce, and we're in game seven. So I think a lot of positives to take away from, from Washington. Yeah, definitely. I felt like Atlanta, especially as the series went on, um, it looked like they might have been sort of had the young team syndrome where they sort of crumble because Washington had the advantage of Paul Pierce and the veteran leadership. But they didn't crumble. And um, they really sort of proved why why they're the best team record-wise in the regular season in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they just played great team basketball and had some 
hustle plays that really helped him tremendously. In Game 5, uh, Al Harford, who, who reminds me of a lot of Grant Hill as far as his professionalism and actually uh, just the way he looks, although, you know, Grant Hill was in top 10 player in his generation so they don't have that in common but he he uh he had a, a big time rebounds and put back in game five that won them that game right so it was a, it was a good team effort definitely and, and also i just wanted to say um going back to the john wall injury i don't know what it is this year but there have been just tons of injuries to key players throughout the playoffs uh not playing every game and obviously you know, if you're injured, you know, you shouldn't play. Kevin Love, obviously, you know, he's gone for the for this season. Pau Gasol actually rested in some games for the Bulls. John John Wall, you know. And Chris Paul, too. Chris Paul rested. Mike Conley had the fractured uh, bones in his face. and That's a little different, right? Yeah. John John Wall has <laughs> some fractures. His face is really broken. They're <laughs> real fractured, but, yeah. And then, you know, John Wall had the injuries in his hands, but really, I can understand what they're, they're doing. They, they don't want the players injured long-term. They're trying to save them so they can be more effective. But, but really, you know, once you get to the second round of the playoffs, you, you, you just can't do that. These teams are just too talented to rest your key players. Um, if, if you have to do it, you have to do it. But, you know, you're probably... You're probably going to pay, you know, that's for sure. It's, it's a tough call, definitely. I think you agree with pretty much everything there. Maybe it was kind of strange. made the playoffs a little bit more unpredictable when having some of these stars not, <laughs> not play because you don't know how long they'll be out and how much, you know, like how much... Well, for example, in the Atlanta-Washington series, the few games that John Wall was out, how much did that affect... You know, Washington get played in all the games that they have won. You know, you don't know. So it definitely does make it more unpredictable. And it always always sucks when players, especially key players, aren't there. Yeah. Well, I think really that's that's it for that one. Um, I personally, that was the one I was least interested in. Yeah. Nothing against either team. I don't hate them or anything, but it was just, for me, the least yeah, exciting I mean, matchup. Uh, when, I, when I look at those teams... Just looking at the teams that are left over, they're, they're two of the teams I think are less likely to win a championship, so right. it doesn't make another, it exciting to watch. Yeah, that was another reason for me. Not that they couldn't, like, not that Atlanta can win the championship, but I just, yeah, I still feel that they're out of the four teams left. To me personally, they're the least likely to do it, but, yeah. I mean, they're playing really well together, obviously, as a team, so that's always very important in the playoffs. Like you were saying, just when we were talking... It's been a pretty unpredictable playoff, so you know you never know. Who who knows? They're 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 the best team in the East, and they definitely play team ball. Uh, you know, there, there could be a big upset. Who knows? Yeah, because last year in the Eastern Conference, you knew it was going to be the Heat and yep. the Pacers in the Eastern Conference Finals, and you knew most likely the Heat were going to win. Yeah. So this year, it really was different. I mean, there were at least four teams that could legitimately you know, make it, or at least three that could legitimately make it all the way to the finals that you could say, yeah, I can, you know, and obviously Atlanta is one of them, but I still feel like of the four teams, they're the least likely to win, but... And Washington was on such a roll 
Yeah. That I, I thought, especially the way they blew out Toronto. And then, and then Atlanta struggled in their series. I, w- I thought Washington might do it, you know. Sure. sure. Well, the other, probably the, one of the more exciting matchups that everyone was great looking forward to was Chicago-Cleveland. and Go Cavs, baby. That was a, a really interesting series. <laughs> um, I think it was, yeah, was a lot of really cool clutch shots there. And then the last two games, I think Cleveland just finally said, we have enough. We're going to move on to the next round, if you don't mind. But I don't know. I mean, I think it's just you know, LeBron. I mean, I don't think he had a huge factor in, the, in, in game six, but maybe his presence and the way he um, can just affect the other players, even though maybe his numbers aren't that great. You know, just having him on there helps, you know, Cleveland to kind of know, like, no matter what, we have the best player on the floor, so if we struggle a little bit, he can bail us out, and that might make it more comfortable for them to play. And so that's why, even though he wasn't like stat-wise, didn't have you know much of an impact, he could do it in another way. And maybe that's I think that's how he was able to help them in Game Six destroy Chicago because they won by looks like 21 points. LeBron is different than Kobe and Michael. He's a lot more comfortable with just being a facilitator if necessary, whereas they're they're always in attack mode. And he didn't necessarily dominate the series, but I felt like he made the, all the key plays, even on defense or offensively. So, you know, like BD's saying, he might not have had the scoring numbers, but his presence was felt. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know, what do you think? Like, where does Chicago go from here? I mean, it looks like... Every year now, right, it's always a first or second round. I mean, I felt like they could have beaten Cleveland, especially yeah. without Kevin Love on, on Cleveland. I thought that if Kevin Love was there, I would have picked Cleveland over Chicago because, you know, I don't know, just you have Kevin Love, LeBron, and yeah. Kyrie Irving. It's yep. a little bit better than the, the three best players for Chicago. Yep. Um, so I just I just felt that. Without him, I thought that Chicago should have been able to beat Cleveland because you had Pau Gasol. And I realized that he was injured for a few games. And that's what we were saying earlier. You know, how much did that affect the series? Maybe if he was there, um, how much did that affect maybe one of those Chicago would have won and it would have, you know, been different. I mean, in, in, injuries are so big in the NBA. And a lot of people cry, you know, excuses, excuses. And, I, you know, I never want to discredit a winner, but it's definitely a factor. Uh, if you want to go way back, uh, I remember when the San Antonio Spurs got Tim Duncan. The reason they got Tim Duncan, they had a good team, but their best player, David Robinson, went down. Right. And they ended up with a horrible record because, you know, it's a domino effect. Their whole their whole offense rotated around David Robinson. And once he went down, they're, you know, they had good players, but they didn't have you know, they lost just too much, rebounding and scoring and everything. Cleveland's lost Kyrie Irving. He was in and out with injury. And then Chicago, obviously, Powell, I think he probably impacted Chicago more. There's been tons of injuries, but you just, you know, like I, like I said earlier, but there's just too many good teams to, to rest. There's really no time to rest. You know, Chicago is sort of at a crossroads, They've been they've been they've been basically putting all their uh, hopes on Derrick Rose's back, and even this year, you know, this is one of his more healthy year, healthier years. He's still been injured, right? 
And uh, there's also a rumor going around that they're going to fire uh, Tim... Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau. I always want to say Tim Tebow. <laughs> but, um, and it might happen because it seems like he's not getting along with the uh, management, if you believe in the rumors. And uh, it happened with Vinny Negro. They said, they said that they were... Uh, he wasn't getting along with management, and then he wasn't the coach anymore. So, but yeah, but the point is, um, a lot, a lot of times, you know, a lot of times these rumors turn out to be true. I mean, Chicago's at a crossroads. I felt like, I felt like every time Derrick Rose is somewhat healthy, they try to rotate their offense around him too much, and I, I just don't think he's really reliable enough to do that. And when and you have a a, a, a new young player. He's really coming into his own and Jimmy Butler. I think they really need to focus a little bit less on Derrick Rose and and almost pretty much just look at him as an afterthought. Like, you know, if he plays, he's going to put them over the top. But you, you pretty much have to strategize without him in thought because he's just, and it's not his fault, but he's just not, you know, as reliable to injury. I mean, Chicago is still a good team. They just haven't been able to turn that corner. So hopefully they can... Uh, Hopefully they can get there because they're definitely exciting to watch every year. They've let some real talent go, relying on Derrick Rose. Nate right. Robinson was huge for them one year. Right. Now they've got Pau Gasol, so it's time to it's time to make some moves to to get to the next level. Definitely, yeah. And as far as one of the their injuries go, yeah, like you said, um, Cleveland did have some injuries here, right? Kyrie Irving and then. Paul Gasol was back for game six and they still got destroyed. But I mean, how effective he was, yeah. I don't know. But still, it's it's going to be tough for them. I don't, I don't think out of like compared their loss with Washington, I feel like you know, Washington is a newer team. They just they're up and coming. They don't have to be in as much of a panic mode as Chicago. True. But you know, this is really <laughs> the first year in a long time that they've had healthier. Derrick Rose and Pau Gasol, so they yeah. shouldn't be in a huge panic mode yeah. either. Panic mode, they can, you know, adjust a few things here and there uh, to improve and make, you know, maybe a deeper team or add somebody else that can fit in with the system, and and think they'll be okay too. And then we'll see about Cleveland. You know, they're obviously still in the playoffs, so they're still in the hunt for a title. Go Cavs, baby! And, and uh, we've been focusing. You know I'm a huge Cleveland fan, so I got to say something here. Yeah, I'm I'm obviously on the Cleveland bandwagon. Uh, I really like this team. Uh, they've got I feel like they're a well balanced team, and they really have great talent at every position. Timothy Mozgov, he can really bring it. Uh, he can he's obviously he's not your main focus of attention on offense, and he can he can contribute when necessary on offense and. What's I think most impressive about him is the defense. He's a good shot blocker and just can alter shots. And um, obviously LeBron's a great defensive player. And I feel like the team defense at Cleveland is probably one of their most underlooked aspects. Makes them really deadly. I'm really excited. Uh, um, I, I was I was surprised really how they blew out Chicago in the last game because. I mean, Chicago's no t- no team to shrug off. You know, they're a great team, and mm-hmm. you know, Cleveland uh, really just took it to them. And uh, without one of their key players in Kevin Love, because you know you're losing, you're losing almost twenty points a game. And then actually, what was interesting too was 
because of J.R. Smith's suspension, uh, Iman Shumpert was, became the starter. And even when J.R. Smith came back, they kept him in the starting lineup. You know, I, I think David Blatt is doing a good job because, you know, he, he doesn't know the NBA game. What makes him smart in my eyes is he's willing to learn the NBA game, and uh, he listens to Tyron Lu a lot. I think one of the reasons they're successful is because David Blatt is willing to learn, and I think that's a great quality of a good coach. You know, he, he's won, I believe, multiple championships, you know, overseas. I know he's won at least a championship. I'm pretty sure it's multiple. You know, uh, he's, he's adapting to the NBA game well. Talking about coach rumors and things of that nature, there's actually, along with Tim, Tom, Tom Thibodeau, Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau is rumored to be fire, and a lot of people think it's set in stone. The other person who's rumored to be fire is Cleveland coach. To, to be honest with you, unless, unless Cleveland comes home with a ring this year, I think they should fire him. And it, he didn't do anything wrong. He was hired to coach a young team. They're not a young team anymore. They've got guys in their prime who are you know, in a position to win a championship. It's a different team. So they need a different coach, and he's a young NBA coach. So I actually do think they should fire him because, you know, the, being a coach in the NBA is not fair. But but that doesn't mean I don't think he's a, he's a good young coach. I, I, if, he, if he sticks with it, I think he does have a future in the NBA. So, you know, he's leading Cleveland coaching-wise, and he's actually been scrutinized for almost calling a timeout when they didn't have one. Which, which is actually sort of understandable, but um, the, 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 the one critique which is less understandable is the last play when Cleveland beat Chicago, it was, the, it was the second to last game. He actually drew an inbound play where LeBron would be the inbounder and not the, not the main guy to catch the ball. And LeBron, of course, changed the play. That's the game. That's the game where LeBron made the game winner, right? Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, obviously LeBron would have been heavily scrutinized because people would have said he didn't want to take the big shot. But you know, LeBron manned up and said, "Hey, you know, I want to take the shot." But sometimes they say the person most open on an inbound play is the inbounder, so maybe that's what David Blatt was thinking. But but in the NBA, and if he if he if he sticks around, he'll learn this. There are very few scenarios, especially in a playoff game, where your best player doesn't have the ball. To not to actually be the inbounder is even worse. Um, there's actually a play, you know, if you want to go back, Scottie Pippen was heavily crit- criticized when Michael Jordan took his brief hiatus from basketball, and Scottie Pippen was the guy. Phil Jackson threw up drew up a play for <clears throat> Tony Kukoc because yeah. Tony Kukoc was doing good that game. And Scottie Pippen was extremely frustrated because, you know, he's he's got to carry. It's is very hard, you know. He's in now. He's the guy, and he's got to carry this team on his back. And all of a sudden, you know, the coach tells him he's not going to take the last shot. So, you know, that was a different scenario and a different coach. And they they already won three championships. You know what Phil said went for the most part, but you know this is a different scenario. And going back to the Scottie Pippen situation, Tony Kukoc did end up making the shot, and Scottie Pippen apologized to him and everybody very quickly afterwards, the night of or the day after. So Scottie Pippen's a you know classy guy. He just got frustrated in the moment because there's a lot of pressure when you're the best player on the team. 
you know, as far as the Cleveland situation, obviously David Blatt's a young coach. You know, ho- hopefully, hopefully he just doesn't try to to do anything like that again because he, especially being a young coach, you know, where you got to earn guys' respect, every last play should be designed for LeBron James. So, yeah, because when well, I guess when Phil Jackson made that call, he had already won three championships with the Bulls. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Plus, it's Phil Jackson. So yeah. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> He's the Zen master. Sure. We'll move on to the Western Conference. Let's start with the uh, Golden State-Memphis uh, series, because that was a pretty good one, too. And, and I, yeah. to be honest, like I thought that Memphis would win the championship this year, or at least, you know, they were my favorites, because um, I mean, they, ha- they had gotten off at the beginning of the season off to a really good start, and they played well throughout the rest of the year in first round of the playoffs. And I felt that where they had maybe a, an advantage over Golden State and kind of other teams was that they were, you know, more defensively minded. They had, you know, really good big guys. Uh, they played tough. Usually, it's not obviously guaranteed, and it wasn't in this case, but usually that means a team like that will win more often in the NBA, I guess in sports in general, than one that's, you know, more predicated on offense and, and long-range shots. And early on in the series, it did look that way. I mean, they had a 2-1 to lead, but the last three games, Golden State just, you know, they were able to you know, turn it on and play it in the level. And sometimes with young teams, you know, they play a little bit differently than more experienced teams. They don't, you know, they yeah. don't have as much pressure, and um, they just you know, play hard, and I guess those things don't bother them as much. You know, even when you're down two to one, you know, just say, well, you're going to give it everything and don't care about this or that. You just, I guess, don't let those things kind of get to you since you're young and, you know, I have lots of other opportunities. So that kind of doesn't give you maybe a mental block as it would if you're an older team and you say, man, you know, I've lost so many times. What if I do this, you know, lose again this year? And then you kind of let that, let that get to you. So maybe that was a factor in why Golden State was able to, you know, recover and and win uh, the the last three games. When I looked at this series, I actually thought Memphis would be the champion this year. They've been good for a while now, so hopefully they do get over that hump because it'd be awesome to see a new team win it. The reason I thought they would win, I thought that I thought when I looked at Golden State and I looked at Memphis, Memphis's strengths compared to Golden State's is their bigs. And Golden State's is their swing players and guards, and I thought that the uh, the bigs on Memphis would tr- trump the Golden State Warriors players, and obviously that was not the case. You know, you look at the the, the stat sheet: Mike Conley, uh, Marcus Saul, and Zach Randolph, their big players, didn't do horribly, but they didn't do enough either. And you know, they they just gotta they gotta step it up a little bit more. It was rough. Mike Conley was out with bone fractures in his place and tried to play. Tony Allen actually had an injury, and he's their best defensive wingman. Um, so that, you know, obviously hurts. And he, he did come back and play, but when guys don't play, it just really hurts a team against and a good team. The Golden State won the last three games uh, pretty decisively, I mean, by 10 points or more. I mean, the, the, it was the only the closest game was game five. And they beat Memphis by 10 points. So you know, those were, they weren't close games where you can say, well, it could have gone either way. I mean, they beat them decisively by, like I said, at least 10 points. 
in each game. So Golden State, it could, you know, could be legit. I mean, they still have to win two more series, but they look like they're a really dangerous team. I mean, they're playing amazing. I'm really excited for the Golden State Warriors. They got the MVP and Stephen Curry, and he proved once again while he was why he was the MVP in this series. Another great angle because you know I love the '90s Chicago Bulls. That's that's my team. So anybody linked to that team, I root for. And Steve Kerr obviously was a key bench player in their later championships. Now the coach of Golden State Warrior Warriors, but his his process through the NBA has just been amazing because he started out as a you know come off the bench role player when they needed threes, hit a big three for Chicago against Utah uh, in 97 to help them, you know, win a championship. And also, with the, later with the San Antonio Spurs, hit another big three to win, a, win games for, for them. Uh, then, he, then he evolved into a commentator, and it sort of seemed like maybe it came out of left field that all of a sudden he's a head coach. But I guarantee you a big reason that happened was Phil Jackson wanted him He's pretty much a head coach because of Phil Jackson, because Phil Jackson has, you know, publicly said he thought he'd be a great coach and actually wanted him for New York. He's just done a phenomenal job in Golden State. I think the guys respect him because he's played with two of the best coaches of all time, Greg Popovich and Phil Jackson. He's played with, you know, multiple great players, but he's played with Tim Duncan and Michael Jordan. So he's seen the whole process. He's seen great players, you know, and he's won championships. And I think, I think the players really respect him. See, that's that's sort of like the uphill battle that a David Blatt has to face on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Right. You know, Steve Kerr has that experience, so people are like less likely to question, you know, what he says. You know, there was one of the plays in Memphis that really stands out for me is Stephen Curry, who is the MVP, mind you. You know, he was trying to make a move. He's trying to make a move and score on him late in one of the games, and Steve Kerr, you know, yelled at him to pass the ball, um, to swing it side to side, as they say, you know, in basketball. And Stephen Curry did it. <laughs> you got to be a pretty respected coach to just boss around the MVP like that. Right. And I don't think that's their relationship or anything, but you know, Stephen Curry did it. And they rotated the ball. And I think it was Clay Thompson ended up making a three on the other side of the court. But, you know, right now Golden State's my pick to win it all. And I think they just have a great... Steve Kerr brings in that great team ball philosophy that Phil Jackson had. And I feel sorry for any team that has to play them. Oh, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be interesting in the next round. Yeah, and I guess the uh, Gasol's happy. Since now he can talk <laughs> smack to his little brother and be like, well... Still haven't gone deeper in the playoffs than I have. Marcus Gasol is a great young player. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would say is maybe he shoots one too many 15-foot jump shots um, versus taking post-ups. But, he, he, you know, he's a great player. And hopefully he continues that line, you know, great players from the Gasol family. Yeah, definitely. The last, maybe most interesting matchup. Yes, sir. Of the second round and was the uh, Clippers versus Rockets. That was an amazing series. A lot of fun to watch. But 
it was just a histo- I think a historic. I don't know what happened to Cleveland. <laughs> or not the Cleveland Clippers. Yeah. Sorry. Not to take much away from Houston because they played amazing. They made some amazing adjustments, but we just felt like we were talking about this. You know, you have a three to one series lead. The games three and four, you you beat them by well over t- like almost thirty points. Well, they won game four by over thirty points, I think, and then game three by like twenty five or twenty four points. And then you lose the next three games. Wow. And then, well, and then game six, right? You're at home, and you have a, at one point, what, an 18, 19 point lead near the end of the third quarter, and you lose that. And then you that lose That was an game amazing seven. game. Yeah, and then game seven really wasn't even that. I mean, the closest it was, I think at one point, Houston uh, or Clippers got back to within three points somewhere in the third quarter, like early to mid third quarter. And then after that, it was just all. Lily Houston again. So I don't know what happened to the Clippers. It seemed like every so far, at least every team LA Clippers have played in every series LA Clippers have played in has been the most interesting yeah. <laughs> series. Yeah, and really, like I thought, I thought at you know beginning before they started playing, I thought the Clippers would win. You know, since they played so really, so well against San Antonio, um, and it looked like for a good for a long time there. I mean, after the first four games. You know, 3-1 lead. You know, it's like, yep, yeah. there's no way they're going to lose three in a row. Yep, it happened. Um, and I don't know what where they go from here. Um, I don't think, I think I was reading some article on ESPN and those, like, as far as cap space goes and their options, they're kind of stuck. Yeah. Because I think they're going to, like, DeAndre Jordan, he's going to be asking for max money. And if they, you know, if they're going to, I think, you know, I don't know who, who they could get to replace him, so they're probably going to give him that. And with that, I don't think uh, they'll have um, a lot of flexibility on what they can do. Maybe a few, few, you know, trades or sign a few guys here and there. But I mean, they just had a royal meltdown. It looks like. And and as well, I want to give some a lot of credit to Houston. Also, I mean, they um, Kevin McHale. I think really shows also how some of these players that become coaches. I mean, they know what they're they're doing. Um, you know, I think he was able to make those adjustments really well too so we don't want to just not, you know don't want to give zero credit to Houston they did they really played well but usually you know when you have such a commanding lead it really is in my opinion when you know when something like that happens it's more I think the other the team that lost their fault than the other one I blame the Clippers more for blowing it than I give credit to Houston yeah. but they deserve a lot of credit because I think just being like mentally, that's tough to prepare for and say, man, we got destroyed in games three and four, and now we have to beat this team three three times in a row. How the hell are we going to do that? And yeah. they did that, so a lot of credit should go to the Rockets, definitely. Yeah, I was surprised as well, because they beat the Spurs, and it was a close series, and I felt like... They they gain that veteran swagger, right? That's what I thought, and especially when yeah. they have they got to three one lead. Yeah, and and that's what they look like at the beginning of the Clippers Rocket series. They look like they had that swagger of confidence. They look like a veteran team. You know, everybody was doing what they were supposed to, and then all of a sudden, it changed very very quickly. Oh yeah, I, I felt like Houston. I felt like Kevin McHale is going to be a great new coach in the NBA. Um, obviously, 
he has that championship degree playing with Larry Bird. Yeah, three titles. He won with them in the 80s. And Charles Barkley actually said he was the best uh, power forward he played against because he's so he's so skilled. He has so many moves on the post. the The tide for the series turned to me when they brought in uh, J.R. Smith in Game Six. Josh Smith. Josh Smith. They were actually losing. They were losing, and you know James Harden was sort of losing his effectiveness. And sometimes it happens to great players. And Kevin McHale sat him for the rest of the game. Right. Now, if he was another coach, that probably wouldn't fly. But because he's Kevin McHale, he can do that. And the team really benefited from it. You know, I think one, when I look at qualities of a great coach, they're not afraid to take out the best players. Some of these coaches are afraid to take out their best players and they suffer for it. Phil Jackson was not afraid to sub out all of his starters if they were playing bad. It didn't happen a lot, but he would do it. You know, it's a quality of a great coach. It allowed it, it, it allowed the other players to get freed up and be a little bit more free-flowing. And Josh Smith was very appreciative of Kevin McHale. He actually said that he was happy he was in a system where they allowed him to be himself. You know, he wasn't sort of forced into a role. They allowed him to be Josh Smith, the type of player he is. And he really... Josh Smith is one of the big keys to the turnaround for this series. Yeah. He in game 6, obviously he he pretty much was the man and carried the team uh hitting big time 3 after big time 3, and he was also very effective in game 7 too. Yeah. And I think we'll see a lot more Josh Smith in the playoffs because he's really uh the the trade they made earlier in the season to get him. Yeah, I thought that was a really good trade, very smart. It took a while to pay off, but it sure certainly has now, right? Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I don't think that they would have won that series without him. I mean, they they were pretty much done for, um, and they slowly made that comeback. And Josh Smith was at the lead of it, but I think that uh, Houston really had a mental turn at that point defensively. Even though you look at the stats, and the Clippers didn't have horrible, you know, scoring nights. It seemed like the Houston defense found a way to shut them shut them down to a point. You know, they just started having these wide margins of victories. Yeah, because none of these games were close other than game two, which was decided by six points. That was the closest game. All the other ones were really blowouts in either direction. Yeah, I mean, this, the next closest game was game seven, which really wasn't that close either. Houston won, I think, by, uh, by 13 points, so it was pretty... Strange, or well, and then there was one. There was Game Six, I think, that Houston won by twelve. But but they were all decided by ten points or more, um, or twelve points or more in either way, other than Game Two. So yeah, it, it was it was a pretty strange series. Like either one team was good, or the other one was. <laughs> and and you know, late late in the games, as the series progressed, the the Clippers' offense just seemed to get more and more stagnant. Yeah. And I don't know. You know, you can only speculate. If, if they they lost confidence in their ability, or if it was just the, the Rockets' defense bothered them or what. But they, they looked really stagnant at the end of the games. Sure. Even in the last game, they were actually close until, I think, mid-third quarter. But, you know, they just they just start getting stagnant later in the games. Yeah. So, I think that's it for the last round. And on to move on to... To the upcoming run, so we got. I guess we can start out in the East again. 
got Atlanta, Cleveland. I think that series is going to be interesting. Um, I don't know. Let's see, who would I pick? Hmm. I guess I'll go with um, Cleveland. Um, I think that you, as long as Kyrie isn't too hurt, if he can't play in a lot of the games, and if it's if they just have to rely on LeBron too much, then Atlanta for sure. Because I think you know they have you know a, a solid group of guys, you know, four big fours, so they don't have to rely on just one one or two guys, which kind of might be good against a guy like LeBron. You know, like, it's pretty far, like, LeBron's a few games away from another finals, and if he wants to be considered one of the greatest, or, you know, that conversation with Michael and Kobe and Magic, you know, you've got to win more than two, you know, you've got to get more, more rings, and right now he has a losing record in the finals, so I think he knows that he's already pretty close, he needs to make it to the finals and win, not just make it, but win. He has a pretty good opportunity, so I think we'll see more of him in this series, especially if Kyrie is injured. So in one way or another, either scoring or assists or rebounds, he'll he'll be, uh, I think, more intense here. I think hopefully we'll see some of his numbers go up a little bit. So I guess I'll pick Cleveland. I think it should be a long series, at least six games, but I'll say in seven. Six to seven, if I have to pick one, I'll say seven games Cleveland going to the finals obviously i want that to happen <laughs> um I, I definitely think cleveland will win uh i'll say in five just because i like wow. I, just yeah. because i like cleveland and yeah. i want to i want to be Optimistic. i want to be i want to be lower than bd <laughs> <laughs> okay. um but games man you know it, i really hope cleveland wins a championship in the next few years it would it would be really something special uh for cleveland and be a great story for LeBron's comeback. I think it would really boost the morale of Cleveland's. And, and to me, it would mean so much more than LeBron winning a championship in Miami. It would definitely mean more if he won, wins it in Cleveland's, in my eyes. Sure, definitely. You know, obviously, as BD said, Kyrie Irving is key to this series. He's their second scoring option, so he's going to come in and be very important, especially losing Kevin Love, even though... You know, in the regular season, there were times where Kevin Love didn't seem to have the most impact. His impact gets amplified in the playoffs. Right. So if they lose Kevin Love, too, they're, they're in big trouble. Um, J.R. Smith is not consistent, but he can sort of... Um, I'm not saying he's as good as Kevin Love because he isn't, but he can make up in the scoring category some, yeah. some of the time. Right, really quickly, too. He can... Yeah. He can get some of those threes to fall, and, uh, yeah, give you a, a nice lead. What I like about J.R. Smith is he reminds me a lot of Russell Westbrook. Obviously, he's not on the same talent level, but he, he's a very gung-ho, offensive-type player. An instant offense is a terminology most people would use where, you know, he's going to come in the game, and if people are maybe shut feel shut down by the defense or not comfortable by the defense or... They just need scoring. He's the type of player, you know, you bring in, and he's going to try to give you something. Right, definitely. I think, like, we were talking earlier, we were saying, you know, LeBron, being such a good defensive player, can shut down some of the best guys, and we talked about the, yeah. the finals when they played Oklahoma City, and he just, you know, shut down Durant. We were saying this that might be one advantage 
that Atlanta might have is that they don't have to worry about LeBron shutting one guy because they don't rely on any one guy, you know, to, to help them win. They, they do it as a team. So even if, you know, one of the players, whoever he's guarding, is not having, you know, a good series, I think for Atlanta they can overcome that easier than some of the other teams. So that might be something to, to kind of look at and see how how that plays a factor in the series. I, I agree 100%. I mean, Atlanta, I, th- I think sort of like at the end of the season, they were sort of on the decline, and Washington was sort of on the, you know, on the uphill going up. You know, there, there are no teams who... Uh, to take for granted, you know, they came back and beat Washington. While I think Cleveland has, you know, more talent all around, you definitely do not take this series for granted. And if Kyrie Irving's out, Cleveland might be in big trouble. Because, you know, like BD said, you got a team that well-rounded. They actually uh, played four players in the All-Star game. That right. is a, that's an impressive team. Definitely. So I guess Houston Golden State. I think that's going to be a very interesting one. I've been picking other teams to win other than Golden State, not giving them their due, their, their credit, and, and not because I don't think they're capable of winning. Obviously, they are since they have been they've done it. But um, I think it's just because you know they're a young team and they relied a lot on their shots. But it looks like that might be their a big positive for them. <laughs> yep. So it's just we were just you know, saying you know it's harder for teams like that playing with that style to to you know to win a championship. It has happened before, but it's just you know not as easy to do it because if you know you're having a few a night off or you can't make your shot or teams adjust to you, then you don't have as many options. But if you're defensively minded and um, you know play tough, can't really take that away from you. And that's why I, you know, I thought that Memphis was going to win, but you know, Golden State, you know, had to care of business. So I'll pick Golden State over Houston in, let's say, six games. But I mean, not that Houston can win. If they do, it'll be, I think, utilizing Dwight Howard because I don't think that Houston really or that Golden State has any big guys that can yeah. go toe to toe with Dwight. So maybe Houston can utilize him. And he stays out of foul trouble, which you shouldn't have that many issues in this series. And going up against DeAndre Jordan, I can understand why he got in foul trouble a few games. But um, in Golden State, I don't see anyone really being that difficult of a matchup for him. So if they utilize him a lot, I can see him being like kind of maybe the X factor. If he plays well, gets a lot of rebounds, and takes away easy buckets to where they only have to rely on their jumpers and threes, then Houston can do it because... You have James Harden and Josh Smith, who are also excellent shooters, and and, and uh, that might be pretty fun to watch. And then, obviously, I give Houston an uh, advantage on um, the defensive end because of Dwight Howard. He might take away some of those easy shots. So if Houston can do that and utilize Dwight's size, and he can play effectively, then, then Houston can take it. But I, I'd say overall, I'll pick Golden State in six games. Um, I agree. I, I pick Gold. At, at this point, it's not good. It's it's not good to bet against Golden State. Right. But um, I do think they will win the series. In fact, I think they will be the champion this year. Golden State's just a really. They've just played great team ball, and um, Stephen Curry seems to step up whenever necessary. But yeah, Golden State is not a team that's going to go into panic mode. Sometimes coaches. <laughs> we'll go into a little bit of a panic mode and 
Steve Kerr is not going to do that, and neither will Golden State. So, you know, I, I think they're the best team this year. Houston is no team to snuff at, though. You know, the playoffs is all about matchups. Dwight Howard is going to win that matchup in the center position. There's no question about that. James Harden has got a vendetta. He wants to prove to everybody that he should have been MVP and not Stephen Curry. So it should be an extremely exciting matchup. Josh Smith is going to have a bigger role in this series after proving himself in uh, the previous series. And uh, we, we won't have long to find out. Find out. The first game is tonight, so we're recording on Tuesday. Should be an exciting series. I see Golden State coming out on top. But but Houston has surprised me the whole playoffs, beating both Dallas and the Clippers. So they're a dangerous team. Uh, they got a great, great defense, especially on the interior. Dwight Howard seems to have finally overcome his injury and playing well again. You know, Houston, Houston like Memphis, probably wins the battle on the interior, uh, whereas Golden State probably wins the battle, you know, with your guard and perimeter player. So it's going to be it's going to be a battle. All right, so that covers our predictions of the conference finals. So we'll have uh, more on that soon as the games are upcoming. Well, this is a really really short hot topics because really we co- we already covered a lot of the topics actually just talking about the playoff matches. But now this is just this is not based on speculation. There's actually no rumors. This is just me, my opinion, and then BD can give his reaction because he's the Lakers fan and I'm not. But obviously, you know, the Lakers are in a transition period and Kobe's only has so many more years left, you know, in his career. Hopefully he does the Tim Duncan Iron Man thing where he stays around a little bit longer. But, you know, you look at the Clippers and how they failed and Sometimes veteran players will take pay cuts just to be on a good team. I think he would be a perfect fit for the Clippers. In fact, you know, if he if he if, he, if Kobe was on the Clippers, they're they're pretty much going to be you know one of the top teams, uh, championship uh, caliber team, and uh, you know maybe my even my favorite to win a championship. So I would love to see him on the Clippers, and that way he's still loyal to the LA. You know, he's not maybe not with the Lakers, but he's still in LA. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Well, he has, I think, what does he have two years left on his contract? Is it two years? But I mean, I don't think that. I don't know how the contract is designed. Like, he, I'm sure he has like a no trade clause yeah. where they can't trade him, but I don't know if he's allowed to demand to be traded. So I just, I mean, I don't see because I don't think the Lakers would just give up Kobe for nothing. They probably yeah. have to get. I don't, like, Lose half the good players on the Clippers to get them, huh? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I'm sure they wouldn't give up like Chris Paul or Blake Griffin for him, but they'd yeah. have to give up a few, few other players. But I mean, I mean, if he was on the Clippers, I'd say they'd probably be the favorites to win. Yeah. Um, because yeah, you'd have. I mean, he'd take as long as he was, you know. I mean, obviously, you don't need the Kobe from back from like 2009 and, and 10 and 8 when he was the you know winning championships, but. I guess as long as he could give them like 20 points a game, you know, pretty easy without having to take too many shots, could make it work. And Chris Paul obviously would make it easier for him. But, I mean, I would I would pick them probably to be the favorites to win it all, but I just don't see how, like, 
it will be possible with the contract that he has. Yeah. Like, well, and the other thing, they don't have cap space wise, right? They don't have enough money because his contract is huge. Oh the yeah, they, they are really a lot of money. They're hooking the them Clippers up. Clippers would be way over <laughs> the limit. I mean, so I don't. I just don't see. They 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 probably would have to trade like. Would be stupid to trade Blake Griffin. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, maybe three years ago when Kobe was had three or four years left of being a good player, sure. But now when he's got maybe one or two years left, it would be pretty stupid to trade Blake Griffin for even Kobe at this stage. True. Yeah, because a good team has always got to be well balanced, and you'd be you'd be gaining a guard and losing an interior player, their best interior player. Right. So I, don't I mean, know. same with like I mean Tim Duncan. You know, he's a great player too, but he's not what he was a few years ago. So yeah, you wouldn't want to trade your superstar for Tim Duncan either. Like you know, say the Clippers again. Like I wouldn't be like, we'll give you Blake Griffin if you give us Duncan. I don't think you're getting anything yeah. in return for that either. That's very true. I mean, it would be yeah. cool like if he could go without them having to give anything up. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I put them as probably the favorites to win it then. He definitely put them well <laughs> over, especially in the playoff. Did you imagine him in that series against Houston? Yeah. Against Dwight Howard? Like, kiss my ass, Dwight. Man, that would have been nice. But, um, I don't, I mean, just the way that the contracts and the, the salary cap is set up, I don't, there's just probably, I don't, I don't know of any way that it could possibly work because the Lakers owe him a lot of money. Well, here's one that might actually happen. Because that was just my personal, I would like to see Kobe on a good team. But this actually could happen, and this would make a big splash uh, on the NBA scene as far as title contenders are concerned. LaMarcus Aldridge, he's actually going to be a free agent. He's from the Texas area. Um, so there's actually a rumor that he could be a spur. If it happens... I think the Spurs are back again. You know, I think they're probably going to win another championship. He brings in scoring. Uh, I think one thing that really hurt the Spurs during the playoffs was Tiago Splitter is a good player, but I don't really felt like he played great against the great interior players of other teams. Uh, it sort of seemed like Tim Duncan was a little bit on his own, and they had to, uh, you know, like there's two great interior players in the Clippers. He has to go up against... Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, and that's that's a lot, especially when you're old. Tim Duncan's not a strength player; he's a skill player, and he did he did do his part. He did amazingly well, but you know that their defense wouldn't be able to focus on him as nearly as much with Lamarcus Aldridge, especially with all the scoring he brings. Sure. So I actually hope this happens. Um, it would be unfortunate for the Trailblazers because you know obviously they're pretty much going to go from a great to average team when they lose him, if it happens. But I'm for it, and, you know, Spurs might have one last run in them. Yeah, maybe. I mean, if, yeah, if he goes there, they, I'll definitely be, you know, the top three to, to win in the, in the West and in the East. Like, that. probably I wouldn't see any other team better than them. Obviously, you know, it hasn't happened, and we'll have to see how everyone plays next year, but... With a coach like Greg Popovich, you could probably work out a good system to get them all playing well. And then, of course, another factor would be Ginobili, like because if he leaves and he can't, you know, he doesn't come back, then that wouldn't be as big of a trade. But yeah. it still would make them overall better, even if if they got him and didn't have Ginobili, that would still be an improvement over this year since Ginobili is at the end of his career. 
one thing I'm going to miss the most about uh, Ginobili <laughs> not playing whenever he does decide to retire is TNT, Charles Barkley going, Ginobili. That is so funny. I can't obviously do it as good as him, but that's what I'm going to miss the most. The most the end of an era. <laughs> yeah, Charles Barkley likes Mono Ginobili. Well, the last thing, and this isn't really a hot topic per se, but I'm just throwing it in there because we're talking about the playoffs and it's always it's always fun to speculate about the playoffs and the finals and all that stuff. If the Cavs do play in the finals, I really believe they have a good chance of winning. And they're and they're even though I won't pick them to win. So I'll go ahead and say that right now. But the reason I think they have a good chance is because when the Cleveland Cavaliers played the Oklahoma City Thunder, I'm sorry, it was the Miami Heat first Oklahoma City Thunder. LeBron James pretty much shut down Kevin Durant as much as you can shut down an all-star. What bothered Kevin Durant was the physicality of LeBron James. And some team, you know, there's different types of teams in the NBA. Some teams rely more heavily on their superstar. Other teams are a little bit more well-balanced. You know, things like that. But if it does come down to Golden State Warriors versus the Cleveland Cavaliers, which is my prediction... And I do, I would pick Golden State to win. There is the possibility that, you know, they put LeBron on uh, Stephen Curry, which which they would do if they're smart. But of course, you know, they got they got David they got David Butts. So we don't know if that'll if that'll happen. <laughs> but um, LeBron, it's sort of like cutting the head off the chicken. You know, there's no doubt their their offense goes through Stephen Curry, and he he he's insane at his ability to hit tough three point shots. But I don't know, uh, you know, when they play the Spurs, they're not really the same style of team, so they don't have to worry about that. But when the Miami Heat played the Spurs in the finals, but, but with Golden State versus Cleveland, if that would happen, I, I, really, could, I really could see LeBron's physicality um, stifling Stephen Curry to an extent, similarly to how when LeBron was with Miami Heat and he guarded Kevin Durant, he stifled uh, Kevin Durant. Yeah, I think that's a possibility. You know, it could happen, but you also run the risk of that, you know, having you know, LeBron, you don't want him to expand too much energy. Like, he would, yeah. he is physically, you know, stronger, but he's not as quick, so I think, you know, he's a bigger guy, so guarding someone that's smaller and quicker, LeBron would maybe have a more difficult time and would, you know, need, would have to use up more energy just because he's bigger. So, it would be, I think, smarter to do it, like, key times. Yeah, maybe near the end of this, like second half, near the end of games, not to do it throughout the entire game because that probably, if you do it for a really long time, it would benefit Steph Curry more than LeBron because he would get tired. Plus, he's older and he's been to the finals a lot more times. He's got more minutes logged on his body, so it would be good to use sparingly. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean. During the midseason, the Cleveland Cavaliers rested for LeBron for about two weeks. He had some injuries. Yeah, and it really helped him a lot. He came back great. Um, the, NBA, the NBA season is a wear and tear, wear and tear league. You know, it, it ages these players because they're playing so many games and practices and things like that. And if you're on a good team and you make it to the finals or go deep in the playoffs, you know your season isn't ending until some point uh, in or at the beginning of the summer. So that's a really good point. All right, so we hope you enjoyed 
more playoff coverage um, with our predictions of the East and Western Conference Finals, uh, as well as just uh, retrospectively looking at some of the things that happened in the previous series. Uh, once again, I'm MJ, and this is BD. Uh, subscribe, like, and keep tuning in. Thanks, everyone. Go Cavs, baby. <laughs>